Today we discuss the reboots of refining politics and culture. I'm back at it and excited to be with you all again. We'll discuss the successful launch of Public Square in San Diego, and we'll give an update on the road ahead. We'll talk about what's gone on in our nation over the last two months, and I'll share some much-needed hope for our country as we look to the future. All of this and more on another episode of Refining Politics and Culture with Michael Seifert. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Refining Politics and Culture, where we explore what it looks like together to have vitally important political, cultural, and faith conversations, all with the ultimate goal of exuding truth and love, conviction and grace in our discourse. Wow, it feels very good to be speaking with you all again. Thank you so much for your patience over the last two months as I have taken a break from uploading new episodes. I have given 100% of my time and focus to getting to our local launch date here in San Diego for Public Square, and the adventure has now begun. We are excited about building a national movement of thriving local communities. So we've got a lot of expansion coming even over the next few weeks and the next few months It is just a tremendous adventure that we're on, and it's a real journey to be sharing that with all of you. So I appreciate your patience over the last two months helping me uh, get to that launch date and really excited to be now back in the saddle having some great political and cultural and faith discussions with you all talking about these very important topics, what's going on in our country. Um, I'll share kind of an update on the road ahead briefly, but first I just want to share with you a massive thank you. Thanks for being on the journey with me at Refining Politics and Culture. Secondly... I wanted to give an update on Public Square. We launched late September. We had Dennis Prager, uh, who, my goodness, he is he's one of the people I look up to most in this world. Just a phenomenal man who's been at this fight for a long time, standing for freedom, speaking truth in the Public Square. So it was an honor to have him at our launch event here at my local church called Awaken Church in San Diego. Very grateful for my church community as well that is just so about the mission to restoring our local community, restoring San Diego, the entire county, Southern California, the nation, and the world. It's amazing to be at a church that is about changing the world to look more like the kingdom of heaven. That's really exciting. And then we jumped right into it. So we launched the app locally here in late September. And if you're not familiar with Public Square, I gave an update on this um, about two and a half, three months ago in an episode. So you can go back and listen to that about Public Square, what we're doing here. But essentially, we're an app and a website that connects freedom-loving Americans to all of the local like-minded community, reliable resources related to what's happening in your local community, and then the businesses in your local region that share your values and are excited to serve you so that we can create an alternate economy based upon the values that have made this country special. So... If you, uh, when Public Square comes to your area, you'll actually have the ability to see all the coffee shops, restaurants, hotels, electricians, plumbers, real estate agents, insurance agents, all these different industries, these businesses that are led by patriots, led by people that love our country, love the Constitution, love the values that have made this country special and are excited to serve you. It's phenomenal. We've already heard incredible stories from users and also from businesses. We have over 250 businesses here in San Diego County alone interacting on the app, and that number is growing every single day, engaging with thousands of users in our local community. And we are seeing testimony after testimony of people spending money in alignment with their values. They've left Starbucks because Starbucks is donating to Planned Parenthood. And instead, they are spending their money at coffee shops that respect life, that love life, and are actually, many of them are even giving discounts to these users to spend money in alignment with their values. We are seeing people leave the restaurants they used to go to because they were forcing masks or forcing vaccinations 
or militant about progressive social causes, and now they're going to different restaurants that greet them with a smile. They do not require them to make medical decisions that they're not comfortable with, and it is phenomenal to see this economy engaging in a way that supports freedom for all people. Also, we're seeing people get hired here in Southern California. We've had a very strong crackdown on unvaccinated people coming from the governor, first of all, the governor, and then coming from local governments as well. And it's really heartbreaking to witness. We are seeing heroes in our communities, first responders, healthcare workers get fired for not taking the vaccine for a virus that they have virtually no chance of dying from, by the way. So it's, it's heartbreaking to witness what's happening. But what's been very cool is that many of those people who have been terminated from their other employers uh, in a tyrannical manner are now finding jobs through Public Square. In fact, we had a guy yesterday who's an employer here. He has a physical therapy studio who is, has been really looking and praying for an office manager. They've been praying for someone to uh, man the desk at their office. There's a, a heavy administrative load that goes down with that, and there's a lot to take care of with this business. And him and his wife were really praying for the right person, and they were looking for a long time and just couldn't find that person. Finally, they removed the LinkedIn listing, and they said, you know what, we just give up for a little while. The next day, a girl reaches out through Public Square, a user, and says, hey, I was just terminated from my other job. I saw you on Public Square I really love what you guys are doing. Are you hiring? And he said, yes, we are. Could you come in today? And she said, absolutely. And now this woman, after being fired for refusing a vaccination, has now found a new job. And this employer, a freedom-loving employer, has found an employee that was so strong in her convictions, even willing to be fired because of them. So now this employer knows that this is going to be an employee that has a, has a concrete value system, loves what she loves, knows what she stands for, and is excellent in her job. So it's very exciting to witness what's happening here. Freedom-loving Americans are getting connected to other freedom-loving Americans, and this is how we change our country. We build a national movement of thriving local communities where the money is being spent at those that will respect our country, uh, on the products that are, are made in this country. We really try to prioritize that as well. Small businesses that love our country is what makes this country and our economy here special, and we have to prioritize that. We cannot become a society that just completely relies upon Amazon. Amazon doesn't like you. I'm going to break it to you straight. Amazon does not like you. Your local businesses in your local region are what makes this country special, and they have to be prioritized. Our government has done a terrible job of prioritizing them over the last two years, and we want to change that. We have another component of the app called The Fountain, where people are able to engage with all the local um, political matters in their community that matter to them, that have a great deal of effect on their life. And so we've got people that are getting informed about who's on their city council, which way do they lean politically, who's on the school board, how do I contact them? We have 41 school boards represented here in San Diego County alone on the app. It's amazing. And so people are engaging with this information. It's actually pretty funny. We had a guy who uh, reached out and said, I was looking through the fountain and I discovered that my cousin's on a school board. And I had no idea. And so it was really funny to witness kind of just some of the the light bulb moments that are happening for people. It's really exciting. And then the third component of the app is we have the community, which is this social feed where people are able to engage in conversation that matters to them with other people in their local communities in a sensor-free and safe manner. And so just two weeks ago, someone was posting on the feed and they were posting about ivermectin and they were asking questions about ivermectin and they were talking about it with other users. And it was so cool because this person said, you know, this is so neat. Normally, when I would talk about this on Instagram or Facebook, it would either get flagged or it would get pulled pretty much immediately. I'm not allowed to ask these questions on those other social forums. But here at Public Square, I can talk about the things that matter to me without fear that this big tech oligarchy is going to come down with an oppressive thumb and just squash my conversation. People in the United States deserve the power. We, the people, are what make this country special, not the government. 
The government's supposed to represent, not rule over people. Not big tech oligarchy in bed with the government. Doing the bidding of the government. That is not what makes this country special. People deserve the voice. People have the voice. And when people can stand up, when they can engage with other people, not feel alone, we can actually begin to get out of the corner, stop licking our wounds, and we can engage in the public square in a way that's powerful, that truly moves the needle. And so it's very fun to see that happening here in our own local community. We're moving fast. We're heading into expansion mode. I was actually up in Ventura County just this week talking to a phenomenal group of fired up business owners. And I shared public square with them and we're getting them locked in. Spent a lot of time in Orange County, spent a lot of time in LA County, starting to make the expansion across Southern California. And then to the nation, we're starting to break some ground in Phoenix, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, having some amazing conversations. So all that to say... Be on the lookout for the next few weeks and the next few months because Public Square is going to change this nation. And I'm very, very thankful to be on the journey with all of you. I'm really thankful God's called us to this. I don't deserve it. Our team doesn't deserve it. We haven't done anything special. All we're doing is trying to respond to the call of God to change our communities for the better. And it's an honor to be on the journey with you. So, friends, if you have not yet downloaded the Public Square app, make sure to do that in the App Store or Google Play. Even if you're not in San Diego, go ahead and download. Put in your zip code so you'll be added to the wait list. That's Public Square. Our branding is Public SQ. So if you type in on the App Store or Google Play, Public SQ, you'll see us. It's a little purple box with a square in the middle. That's our icon. You can download the app there. If you're in San Diego, put in your zip code and you'll be dropped right into the community. You can, you can start engaging with all the fellow users and all the businesses that share your values. If you're not in San Diego, no worries. Put in your zip code, join yourself to the waiting list, and we're going to notify you when we are in your area. So now what I want to do, friends, is I want to jump into giving an update on where is our country at and where have we been over the last two months since I've spoken with you all last. And to be honest, this is going to sound kind of negative. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mean for it to sound that way. It's just the reality of what's happening. To be honest, I believe our country's in trouble. I really do. This is certainly unlike anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. I'm hearing from a lot of people that are far more seasoned than I that this is unlike anything they've seen in their lifetime. We're in an ideological information warfare season, and our country's in trouble. And so there's been a lot that's taken place over the last two months since we've spoken last that I, I want to make sure that we highlight so that we're all in the loop and we're able to get an accurate assessment on where we've been so that we can get an accurate diagnosis and prescription for where we should go forward. I really think that we as a country at our turning point, you know, the average life cycle of a civilization is about 250 years. Many historians have looked all the way back thousands of years and have found that, you know, really kingdoms come and kingdoms fade along the life cycle of about 250 years. And the United States just celebrated its 245th birthday this past summer. And so we've got a real choice to make. We're at this precipice and average Americans are having to stand up and decide, do we want another 250 years of prosperity? Do we want another 250 years of a country that we can all be proud of? Or do we want to allow for this ideological war to overtake us, for those in our country that desire its destruction to overwhelm us? Do we want to go the route of basically decimation based upon radical authoritarian progressivism? I, for one, want to see another 250 years of freedom. I want to see the United States break the mold, beat the statistics, and become the country that we can all be proud of again leading into the next 250 years. But it takes all of us. And so in order to understand how we can best do that, we have to look at an accurate, sober-minded picture of where are we at, honestly, right now. And in reality, we're in trouble. 
And so I'm going to go over a few topics that have taken place just in the last two months. I'm not going to dive into any of these in major detail. We're going to do that over the next few weeks. The other thing we're going to do over the next few weeks is is hear from a lot of people in an interview style format. I'm excited to bring more content like that to you all as well, because I've had the real privilege of getting to uh, rub shoulders with a lot of local and national activists, average Americans that stood up, took their place in the public square and are absolutely crushing it at Standing for Truth. And I really want those stories to be highlighted. So I'm excited about doing that as well. Um, but I want to give a high level overview on what's happened over the past two months so that we can understand where we go forward. We'll cover a lot of these topics in more detail, kind of in that current events style format in the coming weeks, but let's get into the last two months. And I kind of want to go in a, in a bit of a timeline from the last time we spoke. So right after the last time we spoke on this podcast, um, Afghanistan took place. And if you're not familiar, the withdrawal from Afghanistan led by our presidential administration was one of the most severe foreign policy failures in United States history. It took place in August. And the worst part is none of it had to happen in the catastrophic manner that it did. I am one of those people that believe that generally less United States presence in Afghanistan was a good thing. I don't believe that we should still be there to the extent that we were. But the point is you have to be calculated in how you actually decrease your troops presence there. And the way that it happened was absolutely atrocious. And I've actually been at least thankful to see some of my left-leaning friends call that out and realize that this was just the worst possible way that you could have left Afghanistan. I I think we left too early, given the advice that was on the ground. Um, I think that we left in a terrible manner. We didn't need to leave behind Bagram Air Air Base, our largest air base in the region that we had security over, and instead look to evacuate everyone through Kabul, this this, um, international airport there. That was a terrible decision. Biden swore that the Taliban would not overwhelm Afghan forces, and they did. In 11 days, swore we wouldn't abandon any Americans. Not only are Americans still stranded there to this day, over like 68 days later, but 13 American service members died in a blast at the airport. The United States government was caught giving the Taliban a list of American allies in the region. We were relying upon the Taliban to play nice as we evacuated the region, holding our interests and innocent people hostage in the process. And the Taliban sent a clear message to the world that America could be overwhelmed, defeated, and humiliated in less than two weeks. Oh, and then they were given billions of dollars of American military equipment in the process paid by you, the taxpayer. And now Afghanistan is an absolute shambles. The Taliban is running the region and they are trying to play a, a, a pleasant public appearance on the global stage, trying to win the favor of other tyrants like Russia and China. Yet, meanwhile, within their country's borders, within this region, women volleyball players are being decapitated. Because they once played a woman's sport. Women teachers are are being killed. Christians are being hunted down. American allies, translators are still being hunted down. Americans are still stranded there. This was an absolute disaster that did not need to happen in the way that it did. Biden failed to listen to the advice of the people that told him we are not in a state. The Afghan military is not ready to do this. There are too many back deals happening And if we leave right now in this manner and just do a complete pullout of the region instead of a staged pullout where we make sure that we evacuate all Americans first and then the military is the last to leave, unless we go that route, we are going to see Afghanistan in shambles with the Taliban overwhelming us overnight and innocent people are going to pay the price for it. And that's exactly what happened. Biden failed to listen to advice. He went his own way and promised us multiple times that exactly what happened would not be what happened. And he was wrong and yet faces no consequences for it. Meanwhile, lower ranks in the military are trying to speak out against the botched withdrawal, and those are the people that face the reprimanding. 
instead of the leadership that are more focused on wokeness, diversity quotas, and paying for transgender surgeries in the military than they are on making calculated military strategic decisions. It's heartbreaking to watch. Let's talk about inflation. Inflation is some of the worst that we have seen in over a decade. Rental cars up 43% from last September. Gas prices up 42% from last year. Bacon's up 19%. Hotels up 18%. Pork's up 13%. Eggs are up 13%. TVs are up 13%. Kids' shoes are up 12%. Furniture's up 11%. New cars are up 9%. Chicken is up 8%. Apples are up 8%. Restaurant prices are up 5%. Electricity's up 5%. Rent is up 2.9%. Inflation is skyrocketing. And the media wants to pretend, first, they wanted to pretend like it wasn't happening. Then they said, well, it's happening, but it's just because people are spending more money. It's just because we're back in the economy and things are good. Then they're saying, well, you know, inflation may be here to stay, but it actually could be good for the economy. And now they're saying, well, you need to lower your expectations. That was the Washington Post. You just need to lower your expectations. You may not have the Christmas gifts this year. And by the way, this is just a little bit of a a prediction. I would bet that you can probably expect that as we get toward the end of the year, you're going to see a lot of media outlets really turn on materialism, say, you know what? We should not care about products so much anyways. We should actually appreciate that we have grocery stores at all. We should not have any uh, concern that grocery store shelves are empty because that's coming from a materialistic standpoint. It's just because we're greedy Americans. That will be the media play, I can predict it, trying to make excuses for the fact that our economy is falling apart. So is our supply chain. A hundred ships right now, cargo ships off the California coast. In fact, I was actually driving this week on the 73, which is a toll road out here in Southern California that connects South Orange County to North Orange County. And there's this hill that you come over where once you come over the hill, you can look out on the Newport coast all the way up to Palos Verdes. And in the middle is Long Beach. And in Long Beach off the coast, you see as far as the eye can see a hundred cargo ships just sitting there anchored. Supply chain shortages are crumbling us failures from environmental policy that has stifled the ability for companies to move quickly and efficiently in the supply chain, especially in a tumultuous time, have crippled our economy. You're seeing unionization at the port in Long Beach take its toll on the ability for companies to expedite their workflow as it relates to getting these ships into the shore and then getting these supplies and these products into stores around the country. We are seeing the supply chain fall apart. And not only is this a failure of um, of government over-regulating our economy, it's also a failure of globalization. Uh, we're seeing the United States' reliance upon other countries, especially China, in real time and, and some of the negative effects that come from that. You know what products don't have to be stuck on a ship off Long Beach for months on end? Products that are made in America. So again, we really need to prioritize learning from what we're seeing in this season and then allowing that to change the way that we work in our economy. I hope that this is a big wake-up call for everyone, that the some of the harmful effects of globalization are taking a toll in real time. And if we prioritize making things in America, if we prioritize becoming energy independent in the United States, if we prioritize more manufacturing here, even in North America, we really see benefits to our economy in not only the ability for us to prioritize our own economy and our own jobs and our own manufacturing, but also the ability for our economy to move more efficiently and also for us to rely less upon our nation's greatest adversaries like China. Speaking of China, it's now well known that China likely created the coronavirus. 
which was a conspiracy theory a year ago. I was talking about it on this show literally a year ago saying, guys, I think this virus was created in China. And I think that the United States taxpayer actually funded it. Well, now the NIH actually admitted that they funded gain-of-function research with your tax dollars, even after Fauci repeatedly lied under oath about it to Congress, and people don't seem to care. And he'll probably face no punishment for that. Maybe a slap on the wrist, but the media certainly will not hold him accountable. Also, speaking of China, they're holding us captive in manufacturing, like I mentioned, while they're also um, starting to make leaps and bounds in their military development. In fact, in August, they launched two hypersonic missiles that defied the laws of physics, which is a direct quote from top-level military officials, catching the United States completely off guard. So while China is launching two hypersonic missiles that could um, actually carry nuclear warheads that would decimate Los Angeles in the blink of an eye, that we have no defense for, by the way, our military is actually worried, like I mentioned, more about making sure that we're paying for transgender surgeries while also making sure the military understands the problems with whiteness. Oh, and they're believing that one of our most existential national security threats is climate change. So China's making leaps and bounds in military progression, teaching their troops to be more masculine, firing hypersonic missiles, trying to make developments, sending clear messages to the United States, while our military has our heads in the sand and is more focused on making sure the troops understand all their perceived problems with our own country, rather than focusing all of our attention on training up this next generation to be prepared for combat with our nation's greatest adversaries. So we're in serious trouble. Also, during all of that, our military is trying to purge all the unvaccinated patriots out of the military, many of whom I know, by the way, who have said, look, I'm very healthy. I do not want this vaccine for a virus that I have zero chance virtually of dying from. And now, after my service to this country, the military is trying to purge me. I mean, it's heartbreaking to witness what's happening. But I believe it's calculated. I believe that the military under this uh, President Biden and this administration, military leadership, understands well that many of the unvaccinated people in the military right now are the type of people that are patriots. They love our country. They're clearly not just completely bought into following this agenda out of this presidential administration blindly. They like to do their own research. They want to take their time. They're calculated. They don't just blindly jump in with whatever the certain administration says. They have more of allegiance to freedom and the Constitution than they do to just the current presidential administration. These are the soldiers that this military leadership wants to purge. I fully believe that. We're seeing this happen in law enforcement as well. We're seeing Biden talk about firing first responders and being proud of it if they refuse the vaccine. He wants compliance. He's trying to condition everyone for compliance. And when that's happening in the military, that's a serious problem. When the military is being overwhelmed with leadership desiring political compliance more than making sure their troops are ready for battle and ready to defend the Constitution at all costs, that is a serious problem. Also, we're seeing increased mandates in certain states. Speaking of COVID, Oregon is trying to institute masking virtually forever. California is seeking to force vaccinations on 5 to 11-year-olds ASAP and then still require masking in schools. Los Angeles City Council is forcing private businesses to require vaccinations of all patrons starting in November. Australia, New Zealand, Italy have basically turned into 20th century Soviet Union, and millions of unvaccinated employees around the world are currently being fired across industries like healthcare, firefighting, police, the military, education, etc., for refusing a vaccine for a virus they have nearly no chance of dying from. And by the way, this is not ending anytime soon. The CDC announced yesterday that they have plans to recommend vaccinations for all our nation's 5 to 11-year-olds the second they become authorized. This is tyranny. 
By the way, if you have lost your job for refusing the vaccine and you live in Southern California, email us at jobs at publicsq.com jobs at publicsq.com. If you've been fired for refusing the vaccination, let us know you're looking for work. We've got a great list of employers that are looking to hire right now, and they're looking to hire people that love our country, love their freedoms, and they're looking to hire people that would know with a blessed assurance that this employer that they are going to come work for is an employer that will respect their medical decisions. So little plug there, want to make sure that people are aware of that resource, jobs at publicsq.com if you're looking for work or if you're looking to hire. Let's move on. There's a massive divide in the quality of life between red states and blue states. We're really becoming two different countries. Florida has been basically a dream for 16 months now, and this week had one of the lowest case rates in the United States. Meanwhile, Los Angeles is an apocalyptic wasteland. I was there last week. Downtown Los Angeles has turned into an episode of The Walking Dead. The city is in shambles. It's been decimated. And small businesses are still facing the brunt of an oppressive government trying to lock them down and force restrictions. It's heartbreaking. The people that were willing to be on the front lines over the past year, that were willing to serve these communities, those are the ones getting hit hardest by these mandates. And it's, it's such a bummer to watch what it's done um, to the quality of life in some of these places that used to be real dreams. I mean, Los Angeles used to be a wonderful place to go and visit. And now you cannot visit without nearly stepping on needles um, on Santa Monica Boulevard. You just can't. It, it's, it's terrible. The border, let's move there, has fallen apart. It's experienced a thousand percent surge in illegal migration in the last year. In fact, 1,000 immigrants illegally are coming across the border every single day in Yuma, Arizona alone, which is a city of only 96,000 people. Yuma, Arizona, only 96,000 people is experiencing 1,000 illegal immigrants coming across the border every single day. We also learned this week that the Biden administration is also flying thousands of unaccompanied migrants off to Florida and New York in the middle of the night and then blatantly lied about it. When Peter Ducey asked Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, about this in a press conference earlier this week, he said, why are you flying unaccompanied migrants in the middle of the night in secrecy? And she said, well, we're not flying in the middle of the night. Uh, and he said, your flight logs are 2.30 and 4.30 in the morning. And she tried to say, well, that's very early in the morning. And maybe it's earlier than you'd like to take a flight. 2.30 is the middle of the night. And we know why they're trying to do it. They're trying to be secretive about it. Why are they flying unaccompanied migrants? This is trafficking, by the way, to these states in the middle of the night, dropping them off and then not telling Americans and then lying about it. The United States has sent a loud message to the world over the last nine months that if you come here illegally, the Biden administration will reward you, then lie about it, and then leave you high and dry with zero plan or accountability. And because of that, thousands of people are being raped, sold into sex trafficking, sold for drugs. This is terrible what's happening. And it is purely because our nation embraced a false sense of compassion that ends up doing harm to everyone in the process. True compassion would be shutting down our border making sure that the process was airtight. We are doing full vetting. We still love immigrants to come into the country, but come through the proper channels so that the taxpayers are honored, the immigrants themselves are honored, the process and the border patrol agents are honored, the people living in border communities are honored because they are able to have say in what's happening in their local communities. That would be true compassion that actually serves everyone involved. It is not loving to invite someone into an illegal process and then basically leave them high and dry, send them off in secrecy, say good luck with your life. That's not compassionate to the immigrants as well. If you really love and care about someone, you'll try to bring order to their life, not chaos. You'll try to encourage them to make legal, wise decisions, not to jip the system and then put everyone at risk because of it. 
By the way, with the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban, we obviously have an increased terror threat and many terrorists know that. And they also know that our southern border is completely unprotected. And so they see a route into the United States through the southern border. We've already experienced people with nefarious intentions coming through and being arrested. But because of how much Border Patrol's hands have been tied, can you imagine the amount that have come through that have been completely unvetted and unchecked? Again, a thousand illegal immigrants coming across the border every single day in Yuma, Arizona alone. Again, we've sent a loud message to the world. Biden has made it clear. If you come here, come one, come all. We're not going to do any checking. The borders are open. And then we'll make the whole process secretive. And then we'll end up saying that anyone that speaks out against this system is speaking out because they're xenophobic. I mean, it's really tyrannical what's happening. Let's move on. The Department of Justice recently called concerned parents domestic terrorists. All around the country, parents have been standing up for their children against forced masking, planned forced vaccinations, and dysfunctional teachings about topics like race and gender. And in response, the Attorney General of the United States, the highest law enforcement seat in the nation, decides to compare these brave and courageous parents to domestic terrorists. That's horrible. I've been at many of these school board meetings. I've been standing up with these concerned parents. I've been speaking at these different rallies all over Southern California. These parents are wonderful, brave, courageous people. And for the Attorney General of the United States to come out and to akin them to domestic terrorists is one of the most shocking and disturbing things I have heard in a long time. The weaponization of the law enforcement branch of the United States to come against average people that are speaking against COVID mandates, that are speaking against critical race theory being taught in schools is one of the most sickening things I've witnessed in a long time. So that's been hard to watch. Let's talk about vaccines. We were lied to about the vaccines, and yet a vast amount of Americans won't accept that. They've had their heads in the sand. First, we were told the vaccines would work completely against this virus. For example, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, said on July 21st that if we took the vaccine, we were not going to contract COVID. He said that on video. Case closed. He said, if you take this vaccine, you're not going to get the virus, period. Then it turned into, well, if you get the vaccine, you stand a better chance of not contracting the virus. Then it turned into, well, if you get the vaccine, you can still contract the virus at virtually the same rates, but you won't get seriously ill or die. And now the United States has had more COVID deaths in 2021 than in the entire year of 2020 when we didn't have a vaccine at all. Explain that. Also, all the while, there's been no mention of natural immunity, even while the largest study in the world related to the topic of vaccine efficacy and natural immunity found that natural immunity is 27 times more effective than vaccine-induced immunity. There's been a criminal smear campaign against drugs like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine because these medications obviously don't make big pharma all the money that the vaccine does. And meanwhile, the people who have gotten richest over this past year are big pharma and mega corporations that have profited off the vaccines and increased lockdowns While those who have taken the biggest hit are the middle class, small business owners, and minorities, by the way. Reminder, 70% of the black community in New York is unvaccinated. And then even knowing that, New York comes out and advocates to ban them from accessing restaurants and critical services in the city. And then those same people will claim they're on the side of the minorities. And then anybody that's a conservative is a racist. I mean, are you kidding me? New York implements vaccine passports. Who's hardest hit? The black community. And knowing what that community has gone through in the United States history as it relates to the vaccinations, knowing about the Tuskegee experiments, understanding why the black community would have a certain level of distrust for the United States government. And yet still knowing that New York decides to implement these vaccine passports that end up barring 70% of the black community in New York City from services 
that up their quality of life every single day. It's disgusting. This nation's leadership has completely lost its mind. A transgender Biden administration health official was just sworn in as the first female four-star admiral. Seriously, that's what the media ran with. Congratulations to our first female four-star admiral. Are you kidding? Do you realize how sexist that is? So, a woman's never been a four-star admiral. And then all of a sudden, a guy who wants to claim he's a woman comes around and says, look at me, I identify as a woman, and now I'm given the four-star admiral title, and then I get to claim I was the first female. Yeah, I'm transgender, but I'm really female because the left claims that a transgender man, or a transgender woman, excuse me, is a woman. It's so sexist. The transgender movement is the most hateful thing to happen to women in this country in a long time. I fully believe that. So let's, let's debrief here. I know that that all sounded pretty negative, obviously. Those are some uh, unfortunate realities of what's taken place in our country over the past two months. But in all this, we, say, we see a few things very presently. We see the effects of an apathetic country, and it's time we wake up. We were asleep at the wheel for far too long. While many in our country were focused on just kind of living life and being comfortable, the reality is there were many authoritarians in our country even 40 years ago that thought, well, why don't we go ahead and put our Marxists on the school boards? Why don't we put them on the water authority, the health authority, infect local communities with this dangerous ideology that would end up leading to a complete falling apart of order and an embrace of chaos? That's why we're seeing what we're seeing today. And so it's time we stand up. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, very famous Russian author, when asked about the fall of the Soviet Union into communism, when asked why it happened, he said, we did not love freedom enough. Men have forgotten God and we did not love freedom enough. Well, this, this nation, the United States, has forgotten God and we fell asleep at the wheel. Many of us have not loved freedom enough and it's time that we love freedom with our actions, that love becomes a verb, that we do what it takes to be um, even inconveniencing ourselves to stand up Take time off of work. Go to these school board meetings. Engage for your children's future. Stop letting the state teach your students at all, if at all possible. I know it's not possible for everyone, but if we can send the state a loud message that they do not get to co-parent with parents, that parents have the ultimate rights over their kids, not the state, like that's how the country starts to change. If we wake up, we completely rid ourselves of any apathy. We jump into the public square and we make a clear message sent to the people in power that we, the people, are going to manage our communities. We are going to elect officials that represent us, not rule over. We're not going to vote based upon personality. We're going to vote based upon actual policy and who's willing to stand up for our freedoms the most. That's how we actually take this country back. That's how we secure this next 250 years. It's time we engage. And some of you may say, well, you know what, I, I live in a pretty red area and it, you know, we've been open this whole year and I'm not really experiencing the problems you're maybe experiencing in, in California or some of these other blue areas. Guys, if you don't stand up now, you will in a few years, I promise. COVID will not always be the mechanism that the tyrants will use to oppress people and to strip people of their individual liberties. Eventually, it'll change to the next progressive authoritarian issue. And the reality is, so goes California, so goes the nation. And if you don't think it can happen in your red pocket of the country, you're sorely mistaken. I promise you, unless you stand up now, Mississippi will start to embrace the same things California is embracing in 10 years. I would bet on it. Unless you start standing up now. Unless you head to the school boards now. Unless you petition your city council now. Unless you go ahead and run for city council now. It's time. Take back your communities. Stand up for individual liberties, for all people. Celebrate freedom. Prioritize it. 
don't spend your every waking day just kind of scrolling through life, asleep to what's really going on around us. It's time we wake up. We cannot afford apathy. If we want to break the mold, if we want to see another 250 years, if we want to beat the statistics, it's time to stand up. It's time we embrace truth, reject lies. Don't vote based upon personality. Vote based upon policy. We've seen a country led by emotion. And if we continue to be led by emotion, we'll be led to the slaughter. Stop voting for just who sounds the nicest. Any politician can sound nice. Vote for who will actually stand up for individual liberties in this country. Stand up for who will actually lead this country into a prosperous place where the middle class is protected. Right now, the middle class is is virtually the smallest it's been in our nation's modern history. We've seen the effects of false compassion. People voting and advocating for things just because they make them feel good. Very much void of any factual backing. And it's time we end that. Our house is burning down. And when the house is burning down, you don't ask the firefighter before he runs in to try to save your dog. Hey, real quick, I just want to understand your personal life a little bit. First, I just want to make sure that you're nice enough. No, you say, who's going to be able to put out the fire the best? I don't care about his personal life. I care about, are you going to be able to put this fire out? Right now, we've elected a dementia patient to the White House who is not able to put any of the fire out. He's not even in charge. He doesn't even know where he is. And I'm not even making fun of him. If anything, this is elder abuse that they've got him there. My point is our nation has embraced chaos because order didn't look as nice and cushy and feely for them. And now we're seeing the effects of it. Here's why I'm hopeful, because I am seeing people standing up. I'm hopeful because I've been surrounded by activists over the past year that have been getting out of their comfort zone in order to stand for truth in their local communities. I met a mother last week who has been at every single school board meeting this year advocating petitioning, making sure she knows everything that's being taught to her kids, making sure that she is standing up for their freedoms. I met a woman recently who actually took a stand to the point where she said, I will not send my kid to school in a mask. He's going to go without one. And it led to a revolution in the school. Now they've embraced mask choice and kids don't have to wear them anymore. It's phenomenal to witness what's happening when people are standing up. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's the Lord's words in 2 Chronicles 7.14. I'm seeing people pray for our land. I'm seeing people get involved. I'm seeing people turn from their wicked ways in order to brace truth. I'm seeing people find the Lord Jesus Christ through the conservative political movement because they're surrounding themselves with people that are desiring to drink from the streams of liberty. And as they drink from these streams of liberty, they're starting to discover its source. And it's phenomenal to witness. You can be a part of that, but it's time you wake up and it's time you get involved. And I'm hopeful because I'm seeing people heed that call and I'm seeing people run after it. Average Americans. I'm an average American. There's nothing special about me. And there's many people that are jumping into the public square. They're getting into the arena solely because they're passionate about a future in the United States where we can all live free, free from government oppression, free to live our lives on the platform of our values, free to pursue our faith as we desire. It's beautiful to witness this awakening taking place, but it's just the beginning. And if we're going to see this next 250 years, it's going to take all of us. So it's time we remind the government, the people in power, the elites in society, that we, the people, have a voice. I hope that this podcast continues to be a reminder of that. Again, Public Square is designed to be a reminder of that, designed to be a place for where people can live their lives, the money they spend, the information they take in, the community they engage with on the platform of their values. And I'm really excited about the movement that's taking place here. We are building a national movement of thriving local communities because it's got to start there. You want to change the world? Go home and love your family. That's Mother Teresa. It starts in your backyard. 
and then it expands to the city, then expands to the county, then expands to the state, then expands to the country, then expands to the world. And right now is the time. Thomas Paine said, if trouble may come, let it come in my day so that my children may know peace. If you're like, well, I don't know, I don't really like politics, I don't really engage, do it for the next generation. Stand up for the next generation. Your silence now will lead to detrimental effects for them. But your action now can secure peace for them. If trouble may come, let it come in my day so that my children may know peace. Amen. All right, friends. I went on my rant. <laughs> we're, we're getting back into it. I'm hopeful. Let's pray. Let's seek God's face. Let's turn from our wicked ways and desire that he would heal our land. Let's get involved. Let's reject being apathetic. Let's embrace being activated in our local communities. And let's see this country change because of it. Again, thank you so much for your patience over the last two months, friends. As I took this break to be able to launch Public Square in our local area, we are expanding. We're excited to bring this to you wherever you are in this nation and eventually the globe. We really have an international vision for this as well, which is really exciting, Uh, but it all starts here. So ladies and gentlemen, as always, make sure you give me a follow on Instagram at RealMichaelSeifert, at RealMichaelSeifert. Uh, Make sure you follow Public Square on Instagram at OfficialPublicSQ. Make sure you follow us there. Download the app on the App Store. Even if you're not in San Diego, go ahead and add yourself to the waiting list. That is PublicSQ. You can find it on the App Store or on Google Play. Uh, Make sure to leave the show a positive review, Refining Politics and Culture, on the podcast platform of your choice. That always helps the show grow. And I'll be excited to continue bringing content to you over the next few weeks. It is a fun journey to be on with you all. I'm honored that you would join me on it. This has been another episode of Refining Politics and Culture with Michael Seifert.